the Dr. Frankavilla Show. I'm your host, Dr. Carolyn Frankavilla, board-certified family physician and diplomate with the American Board of Obesity Medicine. I've been helping patients lose weight to treat and prevent medical problems for the last 10 years, and I'm taking what I've learned from them to you. In this podcast, you will learn the science behind why you struggle with your weight and what to do about it, tips for common challenges, work to fight bias about what a healthy weight really is, and improve your relationship with food and your body. Please remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. This podcast is meant to be informational in nature only, not medical advice. Please seek out care from your physician for your specific needs. Okay, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Dr. Frankavilla Show. Today, you are going to learn about who I am, what it is that I do, why I do it, and I'm going to introduce you to weight care, which is the term I use for treating obesity, and the guiding principles that I use for weight care, which are the weight eight, the sort of eight rules that I think of when I'm taking care of patients and that I want you to think of when you're taking care of yourself. So welcome and let's go ahead and get started. So first, a little bit about me and why it is that I do what I do. So I'm a family physician by training. I continue to practice family medicine, but I also am an obesity medicine specialist. And I knew I wanted to do that training pretty early on in my career. Most people discover this path sort of later on. And I always felt like a little bit of an odd duck when I was in medical school. Most of my classmates really liked to see sick people. They liked pathology, meaning when things were wrong with the body. You know, you might be in the hospital doing our training and they'd find out there was a really significant surgery going on, a really long surgery for something severe like a whipple. And they couldn't wait to see that. And all I could think when I saw someone who was really sick is, how do I prevent this, right? I would much rather keep people from getting sick than be the one taking care of them when they're really sick. Now, don't get me wrong. I take care of sick people. I enjoy it. But to be honest, sometimes it's a lot easier than preventing health problems because once someone's sick, the path to what to do is often very clear. So how to keep people from getting there is much more interesting to me. And one of the things I saw pretty quickly when I was in medical school was that weight was something that affected people's health quite a bit and helping people prevent weight gain, maintain weight, or even lose weight could often make a significant impact on their health. But I also, like most doctors, got very little training on that during medical school. And looking back, I realized I actually had some of the premier obesity specialists at my school, the University of Colorado. And I still got pretty minimal training on this. So I started doing a lot of education around nutrition and exercise on my own. And when I showed up for family medicine residency, I let my program know that I was really interested in helping people stay healthy by preventing medical problems and that I had a real big interest in nutrition and exercise and weight. And they let me do an elective with an amazing doctor who became my mentor and is now a colleague of mine. And I got introduced to the field of obesity medicine. And she must have thought I was such a weirdo because at the end of each day, I, you know, I I wanted to cry because I really, truly loved this aspect of medicine. I had found my calling. 
Obesity medicine is a little bit different than the rest of medicine because we tend to really get to know our patients and we really look at the whole person. Uh, It's also a pretty new field in many ways. It's really growing and there's lots of new treatments, both in terms of surgeries and procedures, but also medications. And so that was really exciting to me to have new tools. And over the decade I've been doing this, there continues to be newer and better tools to help patients. And that is definitely part of what I will be sharing with you on this podcast is what some of those tools are and who you might go to, to talk about those tools and what might make sense for you and why. So there will definitely be more discussion about some of those as we move forward. Once I really got into this field, what I saw was that most of my patients knew that their weight was important to their health. And most of them had tried losing weight before, often successfully, but they really struggled to maintain weight. And so my approach to weight became very comprehensive, really focused on health. You know, do you need to lose weight in order to be healthier? How much weight do you need to lose? What's our goal there, right? What are we trying to achieve health-wise. So I always say that I help people lose weight to treat and prevent medical problems. And that's really the place I come from. Worrying too much about your weight sometimes can cause new medical problems. It can cause a lot of stress and anxiety, disordered eating. So I always want to make sure I'm helping protect my patients from those or, or treating those things as well in what I do. So if I were you, I might be a little skeptical about a doctor who is giving advice about weight. Because if you're like a lot of my patients, you may have gotten some kind of bad advice from doctors in the past. Maybe you've been told to just eat less and exercise more like so many of my patients have been told. Maybe you have had a medical condition blamed on your weight when it really wasn't. I see this happen to my patients all the time. They have knee pain and someone tells them they just need to lose weight. Well, newsflash, then people get knee pain too, right? So we really shouldn't blame things on someone's weight until we really know that that's the problem, right? So I know that many people have had a negative experience with doctors and how weight is treated. And I just want to let you know that I am not that doctor. I believe my patients when they tell me what they're eating. I believe my patients when they tell me they're doing exercise. I believe my patients when they say they have done everything and that they haven't been able to lose or maintain weight or they haven't been able to lose that much because that is all true. It's really hard. And I also want to say, I am not going to blame you for any of the struggles that you've had, I truly recognize weight as a biologic condition, right? And some people gain weight a lot easier than others. For some people, it's a lot harder to lose weight. And sometimes we have good explanations for why that is. And sometimes we don't. So there's a lot we still don't know, but I know that it's not your fault. So I just want to start off by saying that because I think that that is a really important gateway to this conversation And maybe something you haven't heard before. A lot of times people have been blamed and shamed so much about their weight. And what I know is that most of the time, people who are able to maintain a lower body weight aren't special. They're not doing anything different than my people who struggle with weight. They just have different genes, different medical issues going on. They have different microbiome. They have things we don't know that explains it, but 
there are biologic reasons why some people struggle more than others. So know that that is the place that I am coming from, okay? It's not your fault, but that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do. So what do we do as obesity medicine specialists, right? What do I do in my clinic? How do I help people? And, you know, what do I do that's that's different than, you know, like a personal trainer or nutritionist? So I like to say there are five components to what I do. And I don't include surgery in that because I don't perform surgery. I'm a family physician, so I don't do surgery. But I do help my patients get ready for surgery. I recommend it when it's needed. And I also help my patients after surgery because many people get a bariatric and metabolic surgery and still need support or additional tools to be able to lose or maintain weight. So so that's sort of an additional thing that is a medical option that we'll certainly talk about more in the future. But surgery is another component of of obesity treatment, but not really what we do on the medicine side because our surgical colleagues are the one um, doing those procedures. So what I do for my patients when I see them is five things. The first thing I do is look for underlying causes. Is there a reason that I can find why the patient I'm seeing is struggling more than someone else? Insulin resistance is one of the more common things that I see, and that is people who struggle more when they eat sugar and carbohydrates, their blood sugar and insulin goes up a little more dramatically, and it sets off this whole metabolic cascade that makes it harder to lose weight. So that's a common one. Hypothyroidism is another one I'll see sometimes. Sometimes I'll see someone who's actually struggling with alcohol abuse and they're drinking too much and and that might be the struggle. Sometimes someone has a lot of disordered eating or binge eating disorder, nighttime eating disorder. And we actually have to treat that eating disorder in order to be able to move forward to losing weight, maintaining weight, or just moving on from worrying about weight. Maybe that person doesn't need to worry about it so much. And that's why they have disordered eating. There's things we don't completely have sorted out yet. Things like the microbiome. We have certainly responses throughout our lifetime that make us gain weight. Medications often can be a cause of weight gain. Sometimes we can do something about that. Sometimes not having another disorder treated. I have patients who come in and they have ADHD. And once we treat that, they're able to improve their relationship with food and lose weight. Sometimes people have gained weight because of an injury. They no longer can exercise. Menopause. Menopause is a huge one. Our metabolism slows down. There's hormonal changes that happen. And that is a time where a lot of women will struggle with weight. So there's lots of reasons. There's some that, you know, I probably haven't even gone into today, but when I'm meeting with a patient, I'm really trying to think of why are they struggling more than someone else? Oh, we didn't even talk about sleep apnea. That's a big one. So Lots of reasons why someone struggles with their weight. And if I can identify that and explain it, then that can at least make someone feel a little bit better why they struggle more than someone else. But sometimes we can actually use a medicine to help solve that problem or focus on addressing the treatment for what's causing the issue first before we just treat everyone the same with with losing weight. And part of that component also is figuring out if someone really needs to lose weight or not, right? A lot of us have been conditioned and told we need to lose weight, but not all of us need to be obsessed with our weight, right? Sometimes you are healthy at the weight you're at. Your blood work looks great. You're moving great. Your family history looks great. And maybe you don't need to worry so much about losing weight as just maintaining, which is hard enough. 
Okay, so the first thing I always do is look for underlying causes. The next thing I do is address nutrition. It is really hard to lose weight without changing or monitoring what you're eating in some way, but there is no right way to eat. So I always like to look at what has worked for my patient in the past and what is working or not working for them right now before I come up with a plan. So I individualize nutrition But most of the time I do some version of what I call the healthy eating plan. And that is increasing veggies, increasing protein, watching carbohydrates. So that's the mainstay that can look lots of different ways. That could be as aggressive as a ketogenic diet for some patients that could mean utilizing meal replacements, protein bars and shakes and that sort of thing. It could be a plant-based diet for someone who wants to eat plant-based or feels that that would be the best choice for their health. It could be a paleo diet. It might involve intermittent fasting. I don't use that all the time, but for some people, it's a good fit. I actually think for a lot of people it's not, but sometimes that's a fit. And so My job is to help patients figure out what makes sense of those plans. And as you continue to listen to this podcast, we're going to explore all of that. So you can start reflecting on what makes sense for you, right? Because just because your best friend lost weight with paleo doesn't mean you're going to, right? Just because you have heard someone say plant-based or Mediterranean is the best option doesn't mean that's the best option for you, right? So nutrition really has to make sense for you, your goals, what's going to work for your life, what's going to work for your body. And sometimes only you know that, but but I have to help you figure out what that would be, right? Okay. So exercise, exercise is always a surprising one to my patients because they all assume they're going to come in to meet me and I'm going to tell them they need to eat less and exercise more because that's what every magazine has told them. That's what every doctor's told them. That's probably what most personal trainers have told them, right? And there's a lot of reasons why that's not the whole truth. And that is definitely coming up on a future episode. But suffice it to say, what we know about exercise is it's not really the main way people lose weight. It kicks things up a notch. Um, It definitely will help. But exercise alone does not lead to weight loss. What exercise is really, really, really good at is helping people maintain weight. And so if you um, have lost weight and are trying to keep it off, one of the most important things is going to be daily exercise. And actually the studies say that that should be close to an hour a day to maintain a weight loss. So that's actually in line with healthy guidelines for all of us. We would all be healthy by exercising an hour a day and that can be moderate intensity. So things like walking, it doesn't have to be, you know, CrossFit or marathon training or something super intense, but exercise is very important for maintaining weight. And I certainly have patients who come in and they maintained their weight, you know, through their twenties, thirties, sixties, and then all of a sudden they couldn't exercise anymore. Maybe they had an injury, maybe they had a job, maybe they had a child, something happened and they gain weight because that's how they maintained weight, right? It was exercise. It was how they were keeping their weight mostly stable over their lifetime. And they took that away and all of a sudden they gained weight, but Exercising more is probably not how most people are going to lose weight. Um, Most people are going to lose weight through nutrition, behavior change, medications. And then the exercise is really uh, going to help them maintain, maybe lose a little bit more weight than without exercise, but really essential to maintain weight 
And of course, very important for all of our mental and physical health to exercise, right? Exercise is huge. One of the best things any of us can do for our health, regardless of our weight, okay? The fourth component I will talk about is behavior change. And behavior change can mean a lot of things. That could be anything from logging your food, planning meals, working on emotional eating, working on body image, self-care, stress reduction, all of those things that you do in your life that allow you to stick to your plan and allow you to be successful long-term. And that is probably going to be one of the topics we cover the most is that behavior change topic. The second episode is going to be about overeating at night, something most of us struggle with, those those nighttime snacks. And so um, we're going to talk about some of the tips, some of the behavior change that you can do to reduce that in the next episode. Okay. And then the last component of what I do as an obesity specialist, which is probably the biggest thing that makes us unique, is utilizing medications. So medications are completely misunderstood. There's definitely a growing understanding of their importance. And there is more and more options that have been coming out and there are more on the horizon. So this is a very hopeful place for people that they can utilize a medication to lose weight. And we'll cover this more. I'm going to talk about all the options in some future episodes and give you maybe some tools you can even bring to your doctor so that hopefully they will feel more comfortable prescribing them. But Suffice it to say, when you try to lose weight, two things happen. The first thing that happens is your metabolic rate goes down. So you actually burn less and less calories as you're losing weight. This is more dramatic for some people than others, but this is why calories in, calories out isn't the whole story because you can kind of control the calories in to some degree, right? You can eat less but your body will adjust to that. And so you kind of have to keep eating less and less and less to keep losing more and more weight. The second thing that happens when you try to lose weight is hunger goes up and fullness goes down. And we can measure the hormones that are responsible for this and see it happen as people lose weight. And so that's why it's so hard, right? Because you have these two opposing forces. And so when we utilize medications, most of them work primarily by reducing hunger or improving fullness. And so it's easier to eat less food or eat less often. And so that's really where medications can become a really powerful tool. You know, people can certainly lose weight with behavior change, medication, exercise, but if those aren't enough, which they often are not, that is where medications can become a really powerful tool. And like I mentioned at the beginning, surgery is also an option. So those are the things I am doing when I see a patient. And those are all the topics we are going to be exploring on this podcast. So we're going to talk about everything on this podcast. We're going to talk about how to eat. We're going to talk about medications. We're going to talk about disordered eating. We are going to talk about how to change your mindset, how to change behavior, how to exercise, when to exercise, why to exercise. We're going to talk about how to maintain weight loss. I think that's episode number four. And you know, we don't talk about that enough, right? There's all this stuff in the world about how to lose weight, but no one is out there telling you how to maintain the weight you've lost, right? And that is really the key to success is how do you maintain that weight loss? So that is coming up. I think that's episode four. So definitely check that out because that is going to give you all the pearls you need to like maintain your weight loss. 
We're also going to talk about why it is so hard, why it is not your fault, and what you can do about it. So this podcast is really me taking 10 years of my patient experiences, the things I've learned from them, along with the science of obesity medicine, and bringing that together so that you can have the tools you need to treat your weight, okay? So what is weight care? That is what I call my approach to treating obesity. People don't love using that word obesity. So I use the word weight more often than anything. We all have a weight, right? Like it's just, it's weight. And there's, it doesn't say that there's a good number or a bad number or a right number. It's just weight, right? Our goal with weight care may be to just maintain weight and maybe to stop gaining weight and maybe to just stop worrying about our weight, right? So that's why I like the term weight care. It's just this comprehensive approach to just taking care of our weight, which again, is something we all have, right? Sometimes my patients, actually sometimes all the time, my patients will step on my scale. It's not quite ready. It's not teared yet. And so they'll step on and I'll say zero and they'll say, I wish my... Who would want to weigh zero pounds, right? You don't want to weigh zero pounds. That's that's being dead, right? Like, you know, but that just shows you our mindset around weight. Like this thinner is always better mindset we've been given. And it's it's not true, okay? Like there's definitely harm in that mindset. So we're going to talk about all of that. And I want to bring up what exactly does I do? Set some ground rules here, right? So these are sort of the ground rules that I have developed over time and that I find myself consistently explaining to patients. And so I want to introduce them to you because I think they'll be helpful for you as you make choices for yourself on strategies for your weight. Okay. So rule number one, and this is pretty big, this is weight care rule number one of the weight eight, which is that people can be healthy at different sizes. This seems really obvious, but like I said, there is this culture of thinner is better, right? And, you know, that can cause a lot of harm. So I think figuring out how do you know you're healthy, right? Well, first thing is that you feel good, right? You have energy, your joints feel good. You can walk up at a flight of stairs comfortably. You can go on a mile walk or hike. You can uh, comfortably sit on a toilet and wipe your bottom. Like these are all signs that you are a healthy person, right? Another way you might know you're healthy is that you get some basic blood work done and see what your blood sugar looks like, what your cholesterol looks like. Your family history can be really important in this too, right? If people in your family have had a similar body shape to you and they've lived to be 95, that's a good sign that that is a healthy weight and body shape for your family, right? If all of your family has died of heart attacks at 45 or 50, they've had strokes, they've gotten diabetes early, that may be a sign that your genes, your body is not going to tolerate weight as well. And so sometimes I have people who come in and they are a normal weight on that BMI chart but they have a terrible family history, you know, and their blood work doesn't look so hot and they may benefit from lifestyle changes. They may benefit from weight loss because of that family history. So people can be healthy at different sizes and people can be unhealthy at different sizes, right? The scale does not determine your health. It's a screening tool, right? It is less likely that at a BMI of 
45, right? That you are going to feel great and be healthy and live to be 95 with no medical problems, right? But that doesn't mean you won't, right? So we need to address the individual. And so questions you might ask your doctor are, you know, to see what your cholesterol looks like, what your blood sugar looks like, you know, are they concerned about your family history? And then check in with yourself. How do you feel? Is your weight actually keeping you from doing anything, right? Is it is it keeping you from activities that you need or want to do in your life? Okay. Number two of the weight eight is put your health first. So sometimes this means that you are not going to worry about your weight or some of the changes for lifestyle for your weight because you're going to focus on a different health change instead. Maybe this is focusing on mental health, right? Treating your depression, anxiety, bipolar, ADHD, stress, trauma. Maybe it's treating those things first because without addressing those, it's going to be really hard to make lifestyle changes and feel healthy. Okay. Maybe it's going to mean focusing on quitting drinking alcohol. If that's a struggle for you or quitting smoking, right? I sometimes tell new patients, you know, I kind of don't care what your weight is. If you smoke, your smoking is so much of a bigger deal for your health that, you know, like the weight is probably not the thing that's the problem. So there may be something else your body needs more than worrying about your weight. Maybe worrying about your weight is causing the stress and causing the problem. So weight care rule number two is to put your health first, right? This should all be about health. You should be feeling better mentally and physically with whatever you're doing. Okay. Number three, this is the biggest one, okay, of the weight eight. Like this is something that It took me a couple of years, sadly, to realize I needed to tell my patients. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people out there are not telling their patients this. And certainly, again, the magazines are not telling you this. But whatever you do to lose weight, you have to keep doing. I'm going to say that a second time. Whatever you do to lose weight, you have to keep doing. So when I help my patients make choices... We keep this in mind, right? If you are going to choose a ketogenic diet, that may be a great fit, but can you do it for the rest of your life? Does that seem possible? Does it seem like that would work for you? If so, great, we can consider that option. If you say, no, that sounds like torture, then let's not do that because you're going to spend two months or six months doing it and then you're going to regain that weight and then you're going to feel bad about yourself. And then I'm going to feel bad about myself as your doctor. And that is not where we want to be. Same thing. This is where exercise, you know, you could lose weight from exercise. I I kind of just said a little bit ago that that's not how you lose weight. If you had, you know, four hours a day to lose weight from exercise, you know, if you could be a contestant on Biggest Loser, you would probably lose weight, right? But are you going to be able to do that for the rest of your life? I would love to work out four hours a day. I love exercising. I love pushing my body. I would do that if I had the time, but I have a lot of competing interests in my life. I have a couple businesses, I have patients that need my help. I have children, I have a husband, and I have other things I want to do as well, right? And so I can only prioritize so much time a day to exercise. I think that's realistic for most of us, right? Most people struggle to find 20 or 30 minutes a day to exercise. We're not going to work out four hours or eight hours. And if we do, 
we're probably not going to do that the rest of our life, okay? So whatever you do to lose weight, you have to keep doing. That may include a medication. And this is where medications get a really bad rap. And I constantly am on the internet arguing with doctors about this. Well, as soon as a patient stops taking fentramine, they regain weight. Yeah, these medications are now recommended for long-term use, okay? We have figured this out over the last couple decades. This is not brand new information that if you're taking a medicine for weight, you have to keep taking it. There may be exceptions to this. There's exceptions to everything I'm going to tell you. But what the data shows is if you take a medicine for weight, you have to keep taking it, okay? So that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with medicines. I'm a family doctor. I prescribe medicines that people might take the rest of their life all the time, right? In fact, most medicines are things that are needed for long-term use, right? Lots of my patients take antidepressant meds every day for their life. A lot of people take medications for ADHD their entire life. A lot of my patients take blood pressure medicine or diabetes medication for the rest of their life, okay? So medication is meant to be used long-term. Anything you're doing to help lose weight, you should probably plan on doing long-term to be able to keep the weight off. So, you know, if you're looking at a new nutrition plan, this whole idea of it being a jump start or a kickstart, most of the time, you know, is not going to work out. You're going to have to figure out how to transition it into a long-term solution. Okay. All right. Number four, we are all about progress, not perfection. This is a really big struggle for a lot of people. A lot of people have this black and white thinking, as we'll call it, where they really, you know, it's all or nothing, right? I'm either eating right or I'm not. I'm either exercising or I'm not. My weight is either good or it's bad. And working on that is super helpful. Really, like every day needs to just be progressing forward, right? I'm eating a little bit more vegetables every week. I'm getting a little more steps or activity. Now I'm at weight training. We're progressing. Sometimes we're going to have days or weeks where we don't exercise or we don't eat healthy and we just have to progress forward. We can't just throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, oh, you know, I didn't exercise this week. I'm never going to exercise again. Or I had an injury. Well, what can you do with that injury, right? Maybe now you can't do the jogging you were enjoying or your Zumba class, but you know, could you do yoga? Could you do some weight training? Could you do shadow boxing in your seat, right? So progress, not perfection. There's no perfection in any of that, which leads me to number five. There is no right way of eating. Anyone who tells you that is just wrong, right? There are diet zealots everywhere. Keto, paleo, plant-based, Mediterranean, intermittent fasting, the latest, greatest meal replacement program. They all work. They all do. They all work. Some work better for some people than others. What we know about nutrition and weight loss is the plan you can stick to is most likely to work. And it doesn't just work for weight loss. It improves your cholesterol the most, improves inflammation, improves diabetes. Like the one that you can stick to is the one that's going to work the best. So what? let's pick something that's sustainable from the beginning or at least feels sustainable, right? It can change over time. We all discover new foods that we like and that we feel better with. You don't have to eat the same thing every day for the rest of your life. But if you are attracted to the newest shiny thing or the thing because someone has very firmly said that that's the best thing, I'm just here to tell you it's not. We don't know what the healthiest way for humans to eat is. We certainly don't have a best diet for weight loss. The best diet is one you can stick to because 
because remember number three, whatever you do to lose weight, you have to keep doing, right? So let's pick a nutrition plan that feels sustainable, okay? Same thing, exercise. This is not about perfection, right? Exercise is something all of us need for our health. We all live longer and better with exercise, okay? Exercise should not be used as punishment, okay? Don't do exercise because you ate that cookie. Vice versa, don't feel like you can eat that cookie because you exercise. Those are really bad mindsets. Exercise is something we should all do to be healthy. You get added benefit if you are trying to lose or maintain your weight, right? But we all need it. Exercise is good for your health. That's why you should do it. If you do it to lose weight, you're going to create a really negative relationship with it. um, And that's going to make it hard to stick with. All right, number seven Be nice to yourself. Be nice to yourself, okay? Give yourself some grace. None of this is your fault. That doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. You're not powerless. You're not helpless. You can make change. You can continue to progress towards more movement, towards a better diet that works for you. You can consider medications. You can consider surgery. But If you're struggling with your weight, I guarantee you it is not your fault. I see people all day long who are doctors, they're lawyers, they have, you know, been in marriages for 40 years, they've raised four kids that are successful. They are successful people. They are hardworking people. They are smart people. They are knowledgeable. They know about nutrition. They know about exercise and they're still struggling. And it's not because they are doing something wrong. It's because it's really, really hard to lose weight and keep it off. So whatever's going on, whatever you're blaming yourself for, whatever you're beating yourself up for, stop. Okay. It's not helpful. I had a roommate at one point in time and she had these little stickers all over her mirrors. One time when I went in that, you know, said really mean things to herself, like that's not helpful. You're, you're not going to lose weight. You're going to feel stressed and miserable and you're not going to enjoy your life beating yourself up. Okay. So don't beat yourself up. Okay. Being positive, being encouraging to yourself, you're going to be your best cheerleader. Okay. If you are my patient, if you interact with me enough, I'm going to be your cheerleader too, but you are going to have to learn to be your own cheerleader too, okay? So be nice to yourself. Okay, and last but not least, medication or surgery is not cheating, okay? If you have that mindset around that, let's work on that because this really is a biologic problem. So let's use the knowledge of biology, which is medicine, to treat that. So that may be utilizing a medication, that may be utilizing surgery, that may be using a combination of these things, but those things are not cheating, okay? You wouldn't say that for someone who has depression, right? Oh, you're just cheating. I wish you could just work on thinking happy thoughts, just be happy. No, you'd say, go get some treatment, right? Get a therapist, take some medications, right? If you had a bladder infection, you wouldn't just say, tough it out, work harder, you know, drink some more water. You would take an antibiotic if you need it, right? Medication and surgery is not cheating when it comes to your weight. Okay. So that was the weight eight. Hopefully understand now who I am, why I do what I do, and that I'm going to be your biggest cheerleader in this process, okay? So I can't wait for you to join me on my next weekly podcast so I can help you live your healthiest life, 
The next podcast, like I said, is going to be on that nighttime eating that so many of us struggle with. Lots of tips and pearls in that one. And I hope that you will check it out. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. That is all for now. Take care. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Frank Avila Show, where we learn about all things related to weight and health. If you love this podcast, make sure to leave those five-star reviews and share this podcast with a friend or loved one. If you have a topic about weight and health you want me to tackle, head over to the website, thedrfrankavillashow.com to submit your question. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode. Take care.